Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to season two of the Pop Anime Comics Lounge, where I have with me comic writer Sam Johnson from Sheffield, England, who has worked on various comics, including Geek Girl, The Almighties, and Cabra Cine. And I'm sure he's going to correct me on the name. Yep. Cabra Cine, Voodoo Junkie, It Woman. It's okay. Everyone gets it wrong. So, thank you for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you, and it's always great to have people from across the ocean and all over the world. So a lot of my listeners want to know how you were first introduced to comics. Well, I was into comics as a kid. I left them in my teenage years, and then I was brought back in when I saw in a Virgin Megastore Rob Liefeld's New Mutants when he took over with Cable and Deadpool. I'm a big Deadpool fan, so that's what pulled me back in. And around about that sort of time was when I was thinking about what I wanted to do for a career, and comics writing is it. And obviously you're a big Deadpool fan, Cable fan. You just mentioned New Mutants, but what were some of the other titles you were reading? I'm a big fan of Marvel. So that brought me back in because it was something different and then I've been picking up a ton of Marvel books. Doom Patrol is a big one with me as well, which is DC, obviously, which is about to come back, which I'm very excited about, written by Gerard Way. I don't know if you've read it, but Grant Morrison's run on Doom Patrol is the biggest influence on my work. You can see that in all of my books, basically, to some degree. So yeah, I'm hoping the Gerard Way incarnation will bring some of that magic back. And now to talk a little bit about your career, you had a unique way of getting into comics that dealt with Wildstorm as there was a lot of contests involving them. How did you get involved in the Wildstorm contest? That didn't really go anywhere, but that was kind of the first thing I did. Wildstorm, which was then an imprint of Image, they were running a talent search where they wanted you to write, or writers to do one issue done in one stories about their characters and submit one page outline. So I did that and then I did some for other comics Malibu they had their own superhero line at that time and that was run by Wizard and I came joint second in that one and then I came somewhere in another one from AK Comics so that kind of got me started and Geek Girl as well was originally Image had who wants to create a superheroine contest and I submitted a kind of early version of that and then she's fleshed out and been developed into what the miniseries will be from there. And now to talk a little bit about you entering these contests, how did you go about developing a script? What influenced you to develop a script? And did you have any scripts that you've seen that you kind of based off your outline for these contests? I don't think they all needed a script. You had just got a one-page story outline. So they wanted to see that you got the character and that you could at the same time show something new about them. Because they occasionally do, but don't do filler stories much anymore. And that's kind of what they wanted, where you can tell a story without kind of changing anything, but still showing something new which is quite a tricky thing to do so it was more about the story outline there was a little bit of scripting involved I think in the AK comics one it was a short story so I wrote the full script for that but it was more about the concept and the execution of that and now you said that these scripts didn't really go anywhere but winning second and being recognized for second in Wizard Magazine. How did that make you feel? Yeah, that was great because that was sort of the first thing that happened with me and you won the sort of accolade of that and you won like every Malibu superhero comic ever published, ever. So I just got this absolute shitload of Malibu superhero comics and obviously Wizard being then high profile magazine. It was a good thing. And now you're obviously from England and you grew up in England. So what is the comic book scene like in England and how does that influence you as a writer and reading comics as well as accessibility to comics? The things that sell most in England 
In comic shops, the things that sell most in America, which is primarily Marvel and DC. There's not a great deal of publishers, except for very sort of small press ones here, but the publisher that Geek Girl is with, Marcosi, a sort of well-established, quite well-known publisher that's been going for some time. So that's a good place to be. I spent a lot of time with Geek Girl in general, getting the right artist and everything right about it, and I've had a, a few discussions with Harry at Marcosi before we signed anything, and this seems to me to be a good fit for Geek Girl. And now we're going to come back to Geek Girl in a little bit, but what are the challenges, and I think you just addressed some of them, but what are the challenges of being a comic writer in the UK and in England and in Europe in general? I don't think it's massively different to America. The convention scene is fairly similar. I think it's pretty similar. The biggest sort of challenge you have is getting noticed when you're competing with the likes of Marvel and DC because they put out a lot of books and they put out a lot of good books. So if you want people to check something completely new out when they could just as easily buy the fourth Batman title of the month or whatever, you need to be bringing your A game and showing something that is can compete with those titles and is its own thing. It is offering something different that you wouldn't get from a publisher such as, as the big two. And now to talk a little bit about your career and everything you've written, starting with Little Janice Wants to Be a Star, which appeared in Negative Burn Issue 20. Wow, you've done your research. You've <laughs> done more research than anyone I've ever spoken to. <laughs> How did you get A into Negative Burn, which is an anthology book, as well as develop this entire story? I started out doing anthologies, but I didn't want to do just six-page story and beginning and end, and that's it, and you never hear from these characters again. I wanted things to be part of a bigger picture. So I've got a, a miniseries script called Gold Town, and the little Janice thing was about some guy, his daughter had moved away to this place, its slang name for it is Gold Town, which is a kind of described as like Hollywood, but more fucked up, and she'd gone out there to be a star, and it all kind of gone horribly wrong, and he'd never heard from her. Well, we don't know quite what happened, but obviously it had gone wrong. And the little Janice story is him going out there to try and find her, and it doesn't go particularly well. And so how did you go about coming up with the concept for this story, as well as mimicking Hollywood and being more fucked up and going more into the adult world of this type of genre? To really remember where I came up with, that was really the first thing I had published. So that's going back to about 2009. So I had this concept. I've actually done another Gold Town story and another anthology, and, and the hope is to get miniseries illustrated at some point. And the miniseries is like this sort of failing magician he's made his living as a performer in this gold town place and he gets sort of drawn into something weird and dark and that's the vibe i was going it's like i mean the janice story it's the feel of it is all important it has a very sinister undertone to it because what's going on in the story is primarily just her dad looking for her but what that does to him well we revisit him in another gold town story in a comic called pandemonium spotlight where the guy then is almost like a zombie not literally but he's so broken by what's happened 
So I like to build universes. And I did a few anthologies. Carbuccini had three appearances in HM Comics FX anthology. And the intention always for me was building. It's part of something bigger. And I think you feel that when you read them. Whereas if I don't particularly myself feel generally that satisfied reading a story that it's like, this is the beginning, this is the end. That was six to eight pages. And you're never going to see or hear from these characters again. Part of what I like so much about comics is the kind of episodic nature and the whole shared universe and and all that kind of thing. That's something that really appeals to me about comics. And now to talk about Carbuccine. Carbuccine. Which is a miniseries. I'm not going to get to name everybody who's listening. It's all right. Everyone will get it wrong, don't worry. Obviously, you just said that she appeared in a few other comic issues and she's slated to get her own miniseries. Yes, yeah, so Carb is an ex-crack whore turned supernatural hit woman. There's been a few things out. The miniseries is nearly done. She broken free of this existence where she was kind of under the thumb of her pimp slash boyfriend quite dramatically broke out of that where her life was on the line with this guy because she couldn't bring herself to end him she looked into voodoo and stuff but then the situation she was placed in involved her having to pull a gun anyway and the kind of combination of guns and voodoo magic was something that she found she got very interested in it's voodoo junkie hit woman because she's now a voodoo junkie so she's kind of swapped her addiction to drugs for an addiction to voodoo and she's creating her own bastardized version of it mixing and matching it with other magics and it's quite a dangerous thing to do so the thing with the carbon mini series there's a free digital comic which you can get issue iwsw and drive through comics which is carbuccini dark new year and that previews the miniseries but also has a self-contained story which has a very important part of Carbra's universe which is this dimension called the infinity she describes as limbo's crazy cousin locked in the attic and she can use it as a kind of shortcut she's been given an assignment she can use this place as a shortcut between wherever she is and where she wants to go using a magic but the ruler of it the rook is not happy about her effectively abusing it this way so he throws a lot at her to try and dissuade her and this is kind of taking its toll on her physically but more mentally than she might be aware of and now the story also deals with neo-nazis and there might be a ghost there might not be a ghost and they're targeting her neighbor how does that all fit into this story as well she lives in Detroit the area she lives there's a lot of black people and this character that you're referring to Whiteout is this neo-nazi and he decides to target her neighbourhood he's completely unaware of her he doesn't know he's letting himself for her being in the equation but her sort of fuck buddy as he is at least where we start out Jeff is kind of made vulnerable in this situation so she's got a very close to home incentive to try and take care of this Whiteout and Whiteout is a fruit loop he's already appeared in our comic the almighties yeah you're not quite sure what he is but he's batshit crazy and now you've worked with a few artists on this comic Artie Ritchie George Oliveira and Fernando Melnick there's a ton of artists Artie Ritchie is the main guy on it there's a bunch of artists partly because it's set in different places you've got the kind of street level part in Detroit and then you've got the infinity which is this bizarre of a dimension and we also go inside Cabra's head into a mindscape which is another thing so it works well having a bunch of different artists 
artists illustrate that because you get more of a alien feel when you're going from one style to another, which is what you want when you're going into these bizarre areas. We touched on this a little bit, but Parva has appeared in many comics. How did you initially create her as a character? And that was really kind of channeling Grant Morrison. I used to have this thing where I would do Grant Morrison when I was big into that, which I still am. Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol. I could just sort of think in weird mode and I just came up with this scene with Carver pretty much off the cuff where she's in this supermarket because she has this regular supermarket, Mr. Whippies, and she likes to abuse the staff there and that established the character. And then I developed from there into HM Comics FX. She was in three of their Halloween issues and now the mini, which is going to take things to the next level. And when is the mini slated to come out? There's going to be something out by the end of the year, but I'm consciously holding back on releasing the whole thing because Geek Girl is going out in November and I want to be able to give each proper focus and attention it needs. There's a Carbaccini Facebook group and you'll be able to get something by the end of the year. I'm holding back on the release of the full mini until next year, although it's almost done. There's about five pages of it left to do, so it's almost in the can. And now to talk about another one of your comics, The Almighties, which features a character of teams that are similar to the Avengers and more of a parody of them. How did you go about developing this idea in this comic? Well, The Almighties is co-created with Canadian writer, artist, colorist, Mike Gagno. We wanted to work together. We were kicking around some ideas with a bunch of people where we don't do some sort of crossover thing with indie characters. And it wasn't really going anywhere, partly because there were too many people involved and it became on wieldy so that didn't get off the ground but Mike and I stuck together wanting to do that kind of a thing where we bring our characters together so that's how the Almighty's came about there's been two issues of that there's the issue one which is the first one and then issue zero comes after it pokes fun at there's elements of humor in Carb, but there's a much more light-hearted thing so Whiteout is in it but it how he comes across in the Almighty's is going to be a lot less dark than what he's revealed to be in Carbra. the Almighty's are a quirky bunch of super mystical fits put together you got Maxitron who has shades of Iron Man the first issue was kind of done as a Marvel parodying thing he's an arrogant egomaniac you got Miss F who's a former downtrodden housewife who was bitten by a radioactive dust mite and has thrown off the shackles of oppressive marriage and is now swinging single superhero you've got Mike's characters which are Mason who's a borderline psychopath used to be a black ops guy Night Fang who's a cocky British punk rocker it's quite obnoxious but also kind of funny and views everything with a raised eyebrow whereas the others are kind of more immersed Miss F particularly is quite gung-ho and what goes on in The Almighty's One there's a twist to it and he's the one that's a bit more savvy to what might be going on than the others and then finally you've got Stefanos who's just some guy that works in a takeout selling gyros and for some reason is on this team and also a personal confidant of President Obama and he's got no powers or anything just some bloke as we say in England that sells burgers and stuff but he does carry a massive skewer of meat around with him that he uses to great effect in battle and obviously this is a very funny comic how do you and Mike work I'm assuming you're in different locations part of the reason that I teamed up with Mike to do a comedy comic was we're used to sitcoms where you have a team of writers so the idea would be someone will write whatever and then hand it to the next person and they'll crank up the gag count and the intention originally was to have three writers on it but we found that Mike and I worked together that we didn't need that. We work well together, we have 
similar sensibility. The Almighty is, is a quite kind of sort of skewed thing. I would describe it as a similar sensibility to Family Guy. But it works as in we'll come up with ideas, we'll toss them back and forth. And the Almighty's Zero was more me because at that time Mike had a lot of other things going on. But he came up with the sort of fundamental plot's going to be. But also, again, he had a lot going on. He teaches, he had his own studio going on, he had like a shop. So he didn't have that much time. But with the new one, one of his talents is he also letters. So he's going to be coming on as letterer when we do the third one as well. And now speaking of it, do you have an idea when that comic will be coming out? Second issue and the third issue all together? The website is almightiesamass.com. You can get zero and one now. The third one is going to be a while. The artist Eliana Kortsars, she teaches, she has other things going on. She's sort of fitting it in when she can. There's also a Miss F one shot in the works. But there's a second print of issue one available. You can get them both digitally. So the best thing to do would be to take a look at that site. There's also a free preview comic called Almighty's Origins. So you go to almightiesamass.com. You can find everything you need. And then the final comic I want to talk to you about is Geek Girl, which we mentioned a little bit earlier on in this podcast. What is the story behind how Geek Girl developed? Yeah, I originally came up with this prototype idea when I entered this image who wants to create a superhero contest. I created three ideas for that and then as I say I fleshed out the Geek Girl one, made it a lot more rounded and developed into what it is. This is something I want to do as an ongoing series. So Geek Girl is a hot college chick is used to getting what she wants. She's in a bar with her friend who's of a similar brainiac college geek, Trevor Goldstein, talking about these super tech glasses. He's here his mate talking about it who's drunk and he's kind of mouthing off about it and Ruby K, geek girl, her friend Stacy is kind of incredulous about it. Ruby is just kind of likes the idea and she's drunk enough to sort of go with it. So they get them into a game of strip poker which they thrash them at and end up winning the glasses or Ruby does rather. So then there's a problem with these glasses. They're affecting her in ways she's not fully understanding. The first thing that happens with them, they've got like a chip on them that grants the user superpowers but they also cause her to be super klutzy. There have been a geek girl zero and in that when she makes this grand announcement to her friend now she's got superpowers which obviously they aren't buying and then she proceeds to accidentally knock drinks all over them. So she kind of alienates herself from her cooler than thou click and the direction things will go in then is she's got a very good friend Summer who's actually right behind and kind of pushing her with the whole idea of using these powers to be. She comes up with the name Geek Girl. So Summer is kind of a driving force. It's kind of like superheroes meets Mean Girls. She gets to learn about herself and develop in a direction. While doing that, she doesn't have much room to breathe because in Geek Girl 1, which is going to be out in November the 2nd, she's out flying about looking for crime. She doesn't really know what she's doing. And then where they live, Maine, Neon Girl, who's the big superhero of Maine, gets blasted through this billboard by this mystery new villain lightning storm and gets hospitalised. There's a free preview comic of this as well, which you get an issue IWSW and it's Geek-Girl and you can get it at drive through Comics and the scene I'm describing is in that and it previews more of what's to come. So basically, Ruby Kay has this baptism of fire where she's just doing, this is what you're supposed to do if you're a superhero. You fly around looking for crime and then she's put in this situation where she has to step up because 
the main superheroine has been taken out and has been hospitalized and she's like right you need to get that bitch for me so Ruby is straight in there going up against someone that has taken out someone that's been in the game a lot longer and is a lot better at it than she is there's a lot going on with this comic clearly and the entire series is it a fair assumption that is what is expected to happen in the next few issues of Geek Girl there's plenty going on if you look at the preview comic there's also a character called Mr. Mashup who appeared in issue zero is a very significant part of it and we've also got Maine has these two big resident superheroes so you've got Neon Girl and you've got another guy called Pitbull who's the kind of jock superhero so he's involved and there's some good comedies with him and Summer Ruby's best friend is a very integral part to it there's a sci-fi element that comes into it connected with Mr. Mashup which there's going to be like one page comic sort of trail the series and that will reveal some of that there's plenty going on but the core of it is Ruby and Summer and Ruby's development from being this superficial it girl into a superhero. And now to talk a little bit about the art and your relationship with Sally Stone Thompson. How did you meet her? Sally did the Geek Girl Zero. So Sally now is a much more indie alternative. The Geek Girl superhero isn't the way her career has gone. She helped me out on Geek Girl. She kind of did it as an experiment. And it worked very well in issue zero because this was really before Geek Girl became Tights and Capes. This was setting up her universe. And Sally was very good with She's got a lot of female friends. And Sally's good at conveying. They all look distinctive in the facial expressions. So that worked well for the issue zero but the mini series is a much more widescreen affair which is illustrated just in the first few pages and the artist for that is Carlos Granda and I spent a very long time getting the right artist for it because he had to like Sally but a lot of female characters they've got to be clearly distinctive from each other and mannerisms so Carlos can do all that and he can also do all widescreen superhero acts then the art is gorgeous and he is the best artist I could have got very very happy with how it's turned out and the colorists as well Nap and Chunlin Zhao excellent colorists and the letterers Paul McLaren Micah Myers it's a solid team all four issues are done I spent a long time absolutely fine-tuning the script to get it exactly how I wanted and I'm very very happy because issue zero had three printings so that's been there to sort of build anticipation and build the audience and Geek Girl Facebook group which is the best place to go to get news and previews on the mini it's now got nearly 17,000 people in it so we've been building up the audience ahead of the release of the mini series so X amount of people are aware of it and we want to increase that and, and have the mini series take Geek Girls audience to the next level and obviously Geek Girls getting ready for the mini series to be released is there any plans to continue the series or are you going to wait to see how it's completely received? It will be continuing. This is one of the conversations I had with the publisher. The mini is going to be followed by an ongoing series. The first issue of that is done. I'm working on the second one. Something that excites me most about comics is building a universe, developing the characters. It was always going to be the mini series. There would be more to come after that. And now to talk about another side of comics, which is the publishing side. How do you prepare your books to get ready to publishing and the format? And how do you deal with publishers as a writer? One thing that's helpful, I get my books. One of the places you can get them is indieplanet.com. They do print on demand and you can get like a template there of, of how to sort of 
size your page so that you know exactly what margins are and not going to lose anything important. The Almighty Zero and One, I self-published through my Actuality Press, so I'm kind of used to doing the preparation side of it now. But that's anyone that isn't sort of familiar or is maybe a little sketchy on what dimensions you should be working to. If you go on the Indie Planet, they've got Kablam is the K-A hyphen Blam is the printing side of their thing and you can get a template on there that shows you exactly how to size your dimensions. And now you've been involved writing comics for countless years now, from basic story outlines all the way producing your own books, indie publishing your own series, as well as doing countless miniseries. What are some of the biggest challenges you faced in the comic book industry so far? It's a constant challenge. You've got to make your voice hurt. I'm lucky in that I do a lot of promos and I enjoy them. And this is something that's absolutely necessary. With the Almighty's, it was easy because of the parody nature of it. If you look at the way they promoted the Deadpool movie, I mean, you can kind of do anything in terms of the promos if it's got some sort of parody comedic side to it. The Almighty's, in fact, add issue zero introduces a character that's a parody of a Deadpool, so it's kind of a parody of a parody type thing. But we're going to go in an unusual direction with that because that character, Wayne Winston, is introduced in Zero and is going to be sticking around. That's the main thing is you've got to get heard. You might be very lucky and sell an indie book without doing so much promotion i spend certainly 90 plus percent of my comics time on promos and hopefully it it pays off as i say people are anticipating the geek girl series one of the challenges is volume don't really expect to make any money going in because you're only going to start making money if you're selling big numbers so the bigger you can get your audience the better it's a very tough indie comics publishing it's very hard but if you like me you love it and it's what you have to do then you do it and even the sort of difficult areas i think you can still find enjoyment in. and you just mentioned a bunch of challenges and this is a follow-up question is what advice do you have for people who want to get involved in the comic industry the talent search thing you don't get too many of those so i can't really recommend that as a standard thing but that was a good thing to sort of learn the cogs of writing comics but get something in an anthology we're talking writer then obviously get an artist get the thing illustrated what i very consciously have done with geek girl miniseries is you never quite know life happens and things can delay artwork getting done so it was important to me to get all of the four issue miniseries done before we put any out because you don't want to fall foul to the syndrome where you put out issue one and people are all jazzed for issue two and then they're waiting six months before it comes out this is not going to do you any favors so a good way to start would be to get a short story done get it completed by an artist submit it to people that publish indie anthologies if you want to do something bigger then you can make that as i did part of something bigger so you're already beginning your series you're doing your sort of issue zero right off the bat if you've got ideas of doing it as a mini or as an ongoing that's a good route in if you have difficulty getting artists there's a lot of groups on facebook there's digitalwebbing.com penciljack.com bulletin board they're always good places to advertise i would say be prepared to spend some money but don't break the bank and don't be unrealistic about it because the very important thing is don't get 2,000 copies printed and hope for the best print what is realistic and that is not going to financially ruin you you can always print x amount and then print 
more later when those are sold. And then finally, you mentioned a bunch of Facebook groups. You mentioned a bunch of social media. Would you like to list some of those social media groups and your social media where people can contact you and where they can follow you and pick up your comics? Got the almighty's a mass, almighty's a mass dot com. Other than that, if you Google Sam Johnson comics, that should bring you my blog up pretty near the top of the Google listings. And on that, it links to my Facebook, my Twitter. And then on Facebook, there's groups for the Almighty's Cabra and Geek Girl, which we'll post preview material. And so if you get that blog up, you should find anything you need for me. As always, thank you for listening to this episode. And you can always subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher Radio. And while you wait for the next episode, you can definitely check out popanimecomics.com for articles relating to anime, comics, and pop culture. As well as you can follow us on Twitter at popanimecomics and on our Facebook page, Pop Anime Comics, for all updates regarding this podcast and the website. Until the next episode, everybody have a wonderful week.